Welcome to the online sermons at King Street Church. Feel free to listen or watch online at kingstreetchurch.com. We're located at 162 East King Street in the heart of Chambersburg, PA, and would love to see you in person at one of our five Sunday services at 8.15, 9.45, or 11 a.m. We certainly hope you enjoy this morning's message. Our scriptures from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, beginning in verse 22. Familiar story, yet powerful truths for us. Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Wow, this is a wonderful story, one of my favorite from the Gospels. There's a temptation to let your imagination run wild with this story. I'll try not to do that. My prayer is that as we reflect on this passage, that Jesus, the living Word, would meet us in the written Word and that we would be changed more into His likeness. And that would prepare us for our time of anointing for healing and wholeness that will take place at the end of this message. So pray with me, please. Lord, we surrender this time to you. And uh, would you meet us, Lord Jesus? We know you're among us. Two or three are gathered. So we invite you to, to do your work in our midst. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. I've titled this message, Help, Lord, which is my translation of Peter's prayer, his desperate prayer, Master, save me. This prayer, Master, Save Me, is one of my favorite in the Bible for a number of reasons. One, it's uh, easily memorized, right? Do you ever try to memorize a long prayer? It's hard to do that. It's a short prayer. You can memorize. Even if you get the words mixed up, it's still good. It's only three words. Master, save me. Save me, master. Me, save, master. Whatever, however you want to say it. Another reason I love it is because it's relevant. It's relevant for every single day of our lives. There's never a moment where we're not in need of the saving ministry of Christ. And I also love this prayer because it reminds me, it reminds us of our primary condition, that of being in need. We're needy people. And it reminds us of Jesus' primary work, that of salvation, of, of saving, of rescuing. There was a time early in my Christian life where I viewed salvation as just something that happened in the past, that I'm, I'm done with that, I've received salvation. But it didn't take long for me to, to realize that I need, that we need the saving ministry of Christ all the time. The Bible affirms that we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. 
There's never a moment when we're not in need of the saving ministry of Jesus. And we see that all through this story, all these ways that Jesus rescues us. Beginning with this, help, Lord, rescue me from believing that I know what's best for me. We need saved from that. In verse 22, it says, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. The word made is an unusually strong word in the Greek. It's an imperative. It's a command. It literally means compelled. It's almost like forced them to get in the boat. I'm sure some of, if not all the disciples, didn't want to get in the boat. They probably wanted to stay with Jesus. Right before this, if you know the story, was the feeding of the 5,000 plus women and children, so maybe eight to 10,000 people. This amazing miracle, right? And Jesus used the disciples to, to be a part of this miracle. Took this little boy's lunch and fed this crowd. And I know they wanted to reflect on that. I know they wanted to celebrate that. But it says immediately at the end of that, Jesus made them get in the boat, made them to leave. This is an important reminder to us that Christianity is a relationship with Jesus Christ under his authority, under his authority. The earliest creed we find in the New Testament is the simple yet profound statement, Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. He is the ruler. He is the king. He is the sovereign. He is the master. And the primary response that we make to the lordship of Jesus Christ is out of obedience, out of obedience. So Jesus says, get in the boat, and the disciples obey. They really didn't know why, and it doesn't really matter if they knew why. What matters was obedience. Here's a list of some get-in-the-boat statements that we see in the Gospels. There are many. These are for all believers. Seek first the kingdom of God. Is the kingdom of God the number one priority in your life? It should be. Jesus says, get in the boat. Make that the number one priority. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Don't judge. Don't pass judgment on people. Just think how different we would be in the body of Christ if we just obeyed Jesus on that. We don't pass judgment. Love one another. As I've loved you, so you must, Jesus says, love one another. That's a get-in-the-boat command. Unless you change and become like a child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. As Let your light shine. Let it shine before others. As the Father has sent me, I send you. I send you in the same manner that the Father sent me. Go and make disciples of all nations. These are just a few of some of the get-in-the-boat commands of Jesus. They're not open for discussion. We can't pick and choose and say, I choose that, I don't choose this. There's just obedience and disobedience. C.S. Lewis once made the comment that in the end, there are really only two types of people. Those who say to God, my will be done. And those who say to God, thy will be done. May we be in that company who say, God, your will be done. Rescue us, Lord, from thinking we know what's best for ourselves because we don't. Now in our text, the very next thing that happens is says that Jesus dismisses the crowd. Did you ever think about that? How do you dismiss 10,000 people? Do you just say, you're dismissed? How do you do that? How do you do that? 10,000 people who had just been miraculously fed to overflowing. 10,000 people, 
maybe hundreds, who knows, maybe thousands who had experienced the healing power of Christ in this day together, who loved being with him, wanted to hear his teaching. You and, you and I both know it's not hard to dismiss the average church crowd. I say, amen, you say, praise the Lord, let's go eat lunch, right? I mean, that's how that works. But these folks wanted to stay with Jesus. We don't know how he dismissed the crowd, but we do know why. Did you catch why? It says Jesus dismissed the crowds so that he could go up on the mountain to be alone with his Father. Think about that for a moment. Jesus sent thousands of people, many of whom were in need, away so that he could nurture his relationship with his Father in silence and solitude. Jesus walked away from what we would consider an incredible, magnificent ministry event so that he could give undivided attention to one. So here's the question. If Jesus needed this, how much more do you and I? This is what Isaiah, God says through Isaiah. It's convicting. This is what the sovereign Lord says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and aloneness and trust is your strength. But you wouldn't have any of it. So, Lord, rescue us. Rescue me from believing that I can live faithfully without times of aloneness with you. Lord, liberate me from thinking that I can be spiritually healthy without nurturing my relationship with you in silence and in solitude. So here's a point-blank question for you. How's that going for you? How's your quiet time with the Lord? Is there a quiet time in your life with the Lord, where you're sitting at his feet, where you're listening. I'm not even really talking as much about reading the Bible and studying. I'm talking about sitting in the presence of Christ, with Christ, listening, reflecting, being quiet. Something that helped me immeasurably in this area of listening to the Lord is, is a is an encouragement a mentor of mine shared with me many years ago. He said this, Don, never forget, having a time of aloneness with Jesus isn't just for you. Jesus loves to be with you. He loves you. You're his beloved. He wants to spend time with you. That transformed my understanding of being alone with the Lord. Rescue us, Lord, from believing that we can live faithfully without times of aloneness with you. Now, from John's gospel, this, this story is in multiple gospels. From John's gospel, we know that this incident took place during Passover, which means there was a full moon. And Mark's gospel tells us that Jesus could actually see the disciples straining at the oars when they were on the water. I imagine Jesus on the mountain seeing the disciples, knowing what was coming, knowing the storm that was about to hit them, knowing the fears that were going to rise up within. So what does Jesus do? What does our Savior do? Don't say he walked, because before he walked, it says he waited. Did you catch that? It says he waited shortly before dawn or during the fourth watch of the night, which would be between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. Jesus waited for hours before he went to them. What do you think the disciples were thinking about during those long hours in that storm? I wrote down a few things. Why did Jesus send us here? Do you think they were asking that question? What did we do wrong? Doesn't he care? How could he have done this to us? Where's the Lord? 
We know what the disciples were thinking because they're the very same things that we think in the midst of our storms, aren't they? We think those thoughts. This is why we need rescues from our impatience and our demanding spirits. We need to cling to the truth that God's timing is always perfect, even when it doesn't seem like it is. I think it's so insightful that one who was in the boat that night later wrote in 2 Peter, Peter wrote these words in chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. I bet he thought the Lord was slow when he was in the middle of the storm, but he wasn't. We're reminded here that obedience to Christ is not a detour around difficulties in life. Sometimes I think we think that, that if I obey Jesus, there'll be no difficulties. No, it's not. Getting in the boat in obedience to Jesus doesn't guarantee smooth sailing. But things get desperate. It's a little boat. It's a big lake. It's a dark night. It's a terrible storm. And the Scripture says, very matter-of-factly, that Jesus went out to them walking on the water. Think about this. Put yourself in the boat. You're bailing water. You're straining against the oars. It's a torrential downpour. The wind is ferocious. And in the dark, darkness, you see this something moving towards you on the lake. And you poke the guy next to you, and he sees it too. What do they do? These are grown men. These are fishermen. You know what they did? It said they screamed. They were terrified. It's a ghost. You're on a sinking boat. You're terrified. There's a ghost. And then the ghost speaks. And I love J.B. Phillips' translation. The ghost says, cheer up. Cheer up. How do you cheer up? Because the voice replies, it's me. It is I. When Jesus said, it's me, they knew who it was. We're entering into the season of Christmas where we celebrate Jesus is Emmanuel. What's that mean? God with us, right? God with us. Sometimes, many times, maybe even most of the time, this is all we have in the midst of the storms of our lives. The darkness continues. The pain is still present. Our questions aren't answered. But Emmanuel, God is with us. And I want to remind us this morning, remind myself, that's enough. That's enough. Some of us need to hear that today. The resurrected Christ has, Christ has promised us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Never. Never a moment. Now we have this beautiful picture of radical discipleship. Peter cries out, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus says, come. Because Jesus never refuses our desire to get close to him. So Peter steps out. What a, what a tremendous act of faith we see in Peter here. What we see in Peter is that even in the midst of the storm, he so desires Jesus that he's willing to sacrifice the security of the boat to be intimate with Jesus. That leads me to pray this, Lord, rescue me from believing. I'm sorry, that was my previous point, but it's an important one, that I've been abandoned and that I'm alone. Rescue me from common sense living and loving. Because it's not common sense to step out of a boat in the middle of a storm, is it? But we don't serve a God of common sense. We serve a God who causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. We serve a God 
who sent his son to be massacred on a Roman cross for your sin and my sin. That wasn't common sense that did that. That was love. That was prodigious love. So God, rescue us from common sense, living and loving, and make us, in the words of Francis Chan, people of crazy love who are willing to risk anything to be close to you, Jesus. Anything to be close to you. So Peter steps out of the boat, and the water is hard, or at least it seems that way. And Peter begins to walk on water. That's amazing. No one's ever done that before or since. Jesus, Peter, this is it. What trust. Didn't last long, though, did it? Matthew writes, when he saw the winds and the waves, he was afraid and he began to sink. And he fires up probably the shortest, fastest prayer ever in all of human history. Master, save me. I don't know how fast it was. It had to be fast because when you're sinking, you have to pray fast, right? You don't have time to pray something like the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. By then, you've drowned and you haven't asked for anything. So you need to pray. You need to keep this prayer in mind when you're sinking. A lot of us, we sink a lot, right? Even though it's a short prayer, though, it's a profound prayer. It's relevant every single moment of our lives. And the Lord responds to this great prayer. It says immediately, the image is if Jesus is at a distance, and then when Peter asks this prayer, he's right there. Immediately it says, Jesus reached out his hand, and he grabs Peter. And one theologian said that we see the whole gospel in this grasp. The whole gospel. And then he asks him this question, where's your faith, Peter? Why did you doubt? How did he ask that question? Do you think he asked that with a smile on his face? Like, Peter, haven't walked on water for a while. Where's your faith? Even though Peter's faith wavered, and even though he sank, and we all sink, and even though Jesus called him little faith, at least he got out of the boat, right? At least he got out of the boat. And getting out of the boat, Peter risked everything everything. And in the process, he experienced in a very personal way, in a very personal way, the power and the presence of Jesus in a way that the other disciples just witnessed. They could write about it, but he experienced it. He felt that touch. He felt that pull. He was there. So Lord, rescue us from being a spectator who misses out on the adventure of walking on water, of sinking, and of being saved by you. I don't want to be a spectator, do you? I don't want to. This story ends with these words. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat fell to their knees, worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God, the Son of God who saves, the Son of God who rescues us, the Son of God who liberates us, the Son of God who sets us free and who invites us, who beckons us to come, to come, to step out of the boat, to come. We're going to have the opportunity to do that right now in our worship service as we move into a time of anointing for healing and wholeness. In the Bible, anointing is one of the ministries that's taught, and anointing is joined with prayer for healing and wholeness in our lives. We anoint with oil as a symbol of the presence and the power of God. 
those who desire anointing for spiritual blessing, for physical restoration, for relational healing through the power of Christ are welcome. Our anointing teams are coming forward and they're willing and ready to anoint you. When you come forward, you'll be asked to share your name and what it is you're coming for. And you'll also be asked if there's any sin that you would like to confess in your life that you think might hinder you from receiving God's healing. Then you'll be anointed and prayed over in the name of the Lord. When you come forward, what you're doing is, in a sense, you're stepping out of the boat and you're saying, help, Lord, help me. You might have faith like Peter when he walked on water. Your faith might be like Peter when he was sinking. It doesn't matter. Come. Your need can be physical. It can be emotional. It can be relational. It can be spiritual. Whatever your need is, his grace is sufficient because his power is made perfect in our weakness. So we're going to invite you to come forward here in a moment through the center aisle, out the sides, or in the Baker Center, up the middle, and along the sides. And if you don't choose to come forward, just use this time to worship the Lord and to pray for those who do come. So would you pray for me? Lord Jesus, pray with me. Lord Jesus, we know you're among us. We know you desire to meet us. And God, we know We need your help. We need your healing. We need your touch. We need your wholeness. We're broken and we're needy. So, Lord Jesus, would you meet us during this time? We pray this in your precious and majestic name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this morning's message. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact us using our online form on our website at kingstreetchurch.com or by calling us here at 717-264-4651 during our regular business hours. Be sure to stop by and see us in person at one of our five Sunday morning services, 8.15 a.m., 2 at 9.45 a.m., as well as 2 at 11 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there.